Hi, welcome to Nothing Venture, Nothing Game. I'm your host with the most, your GM, Jared. And this is a new segment brought up and created by our friend, Zach, called Healing Pots. Healing Pots is where we choose a specific type of drink. Uh, this episode is brought to you by the letter W for whiskey, because all of us are having some form of whiskey. Uh, Healing Pots is a freeform episode where we are going to talk about different topics within the tabletop and gaming community. This episode focuses mainly on indie tabletop role-playing games that have inspired us to be better gamers, better role players, or better GMs. In today's episode, I'm joined by, obviously, Zach. Howdy. Sorry for laughing. I wasn't expecting you to start with just, hi, that's never happened before. No. Uh, also, we have Jeff. That's me. Hey, everybody. Hope you all doing well. And, of course, Steve. Yep. So, Healing Pots is, a, like I said, a conversation where we talk about many different topics. But today we are going to focus on the indie tabletop role-playing scene. Now, when I, I mention... Indie, it's very strange because for me, I include such classic tabletop games, which many people might or might not know about, such as Vampire the Masquerade or many of the White Wolf systems, Numenera, which is a very new-ish, came out in the 2010s um, form, a tabletop game where it's kind of like future Cyberpunk is another indie system I I link to that a lot of people have played Cyberpunk or Shadowrun. Both of those are those standard kind of futury, cybery kind of in the year twenty, you know, twenty twenty five, and it's like, oh well, we we we've gotten there, guys. Uh, and I don't have robotic arms, um, but I I classify a lot of those systems as indie, as many people out there haven't really played them. For me. When I'm talking about tabletop role-playing games, I kind of bring up the big, in my head, these are like the big two, which is Paizo, which is a very strong company. And of course, the monster, the Godzilla, the king of all monsters, Wizards of the Coast, or, you know, bringing Dungeons and Dragons. They've never really stepped out of that shadow. Um, they've never done cyberpunk and stuff. They've always just done like, oh, you want, you want space? Well, we got Spelljammer. You want... Dark and gritty, we have Dark Sun. You know, they, they never moved into a new realm or a new system. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of what you're going to be getting here. A lot of conversations where you might know these games. You might be like, oh, I played Vampire the Masquerade with all my friends, and I don't consider that indie. Well, if you go to conventions, you're probably going to find it harder to find people to play Vampire than it is to find people to play 5th Edition. Um. But indie indie's interesting. Um how how does everyone feel about that statement? Am I am I right? Am I wrong? Uh I'll go first. Uh honestly, I think you're pretty spot on with that. I always thought indie was just uh deviating from the norm. Like you said, the big two, Pathfinder and uh D basically you can't get any bigger than those, and that's just here in America. But those are also known globally, too. People internationally have been playing these two systems since their inceptions. 
Um, so because of that, they have a lot of traction. Uh, I, you know, personally, my experience with indie games has always been from the jump, you know? So uh, anytime you're deviating from the norm, that's when you're going to get pique my interest, you know? Yeah, uh, as for me, as far as sort of like indie games, again, you know, you obviously have your big two players in the game, and then you have, you know, I mean, numerous other ones that are really good content, really good gameplay. Um, yeah, again, like that's sort of how I feel that indie really is. It's just not the two big giants. And um, there's lots of great content out there. You know, obviously, you know, creators can draw upon things from the big two and sort of like have that as a, uh, uh, not even like a template, but just sort of like a, an, an overwatch of what they're creating mm -hmm. in kind of a way like they can, they can pull ideas or sort of like how systems work um, and all of those things. But I mean, you know, I mean, we, I mean, even as a group, we've played a lot of games and even in sort of like my younger days, we played a lot of games. Like we played the first edition cyberpunk, super fun. Uh, we played uh, first edition Vampire the Masquerade, not as long as I would have liked to, but we had a good time playing that as well. Um, there was even a game, I think it came out in like either the late 60s or very early 70s called Top Secret. That was another sort of RPG, you know, like espionage and spies and, you Sounds know, like a criminals game. and stuff. It was really cool. Like I used to actually have, it was like a little booklet with like, you know, that construction paper green cover, that that lime green <laughs> color that they would have on it so yeah like i mean you know and that's another thing you see games presented in interesting ways as well rather than just here's a boatload of books buy them you know it's like here it's like we have you know pdfs and we have this and we have that and we have like gear that comes specifically for the game and stuff like that so you know, you know like uh when they get more to the indie scene like you see a lot more of the creativity of the people that are out there who say hey you know what i want to make something that people are going to play and enjoy. I'm actually going to take the different road here. I'm going to be disagreeing with a lot of people here. Uh, throw your shade at, at uh, Jared's channel. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, I kind of view indie, like we were talking about Vampire the Masquerade. Uh, I don't view Vampire the Masquerade as indie title. I actually look at the size of the company and White Wolf, who makes Vampire the Masquerade, among other, like they have a slew of different role playing games, all the different like monsters, like werewolves and vampires, ma uh, magic users and mages, you know, uh, changeling, you know, they, they, so I don't necessarily view them, they're, they're different than the two kind of p exemplars, right? We're going to say DD with Wizards of the Coast and Pathfinder, uh, and Pathfinder one and two, we're going to Starfinder as, you know, for Paizo. But there are other games. And also, the question is, is how do you view that? I mean, yes, most people know who D&D is, but there are things that are well-known in certain parts of the world that are not well-known to us. And then there's things, things that were, was well-known to us that, that they don't even know exist. So it, it's as much cultural, but also it's like when most people think indie, they're thinking of like small upstart companies that are like, okay, well, I have an idea and no one's doing this. So I want to do this. This is a space that I can, I can exist in. You can even say that Fate, when it came out, was indie. But now Fate is, like, wildly popular. It's got so many source books. Could you even really consider it indie anymore? So that's yeah. the, that's the idea of, like, you know, you have to remember, when D&D came out, I bet you that like, everyone thought that was a like weird indie niche product that no one's ever going to play, and then now look at us now. So, you know, I think is the size of the company also is. And also how much they buck a trend. 
I, I can actually agree with that. You know, I like, I feel like, uh, because I actually have, uh, this weird affinity for the powered by the apocalypse system, which now is the driving force for a lot of indie games because it's very simple. You know, it, it, it makes a game a lot easier when you're, it doesn't have too many moving parts. Uh, but at the same time, two dice is so much easier to get a hold of a lot of the times than trying to get a whole seven piece dice set, you know? Um, and it's not that that's hard now with Amazon, but you know, it's still like right, walking no, I... into a store, you can find it or you can grab it out of a box of uh, yeah. old board game that you yeah. used to have. Right. Well, again, it's sort of like creation of games in general, like even like sport and games, like when all of these things were created, you worked with what you had. Like, oh, I have two six-sided dice because I used to play Monopoly all the time. So here we go. I have two six-sided dice. What can I do and create along a system that will just require me to use these two six-sided dice? And, you know, again, like it's sport. You know, they, they took an animal bladder and filled it with air, and now you have a soccer ball or a football or, you know, anything, you know, sort of like the old, um, like even back to like ancient times, uh, like even like the Incas or the Aztecs had sort of a arena game where you had to get a ball and throw it through hoops. You know, even though they were sort of on their side, it was, you know, it was kind of like rollerball meets basketball, but I guess not nearly as cool as rollerball. But again, sort of like uh, upon the creation of sport and game throughout sort of history, you work with what you have. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually going to bring up something that um, I recorded a video on. We haven't released it yet and I still have to edit it, but... Uh, like I, I had this game, right? This game just came ah. out. This is a Transformers role playing game in my fancy deluxe uh, edition. It's made right. by Renegade Game Studios. That's not a small company. They make tons of board games, and they mm. and and funny enough is when they came out with this game, they came out with like four games, as well as GI Joe, Transformers, and Power Rangers. Those are not small licenses to be messing around with. Nope. And even though that their their system that they designed, the Essence Twenty system, it's brand new. Can you really call it indie? So, so there, so the, the people's idea of indie is going to change from place to place, and he, each person's experiences. But I, I don't know. I, I I think it's a little bit of a combination of all what we've been talking about. Um. So going, touching on uh, everyone has good points, and and I appreciate that. Um. I'm going to boo Steve. Boo uh, for his <laughs> point. Uh, but uh, on top of that, um. Going back to like the creation of gaming and stuff like that, right? Like, uh, so going, uh, you know, talking about like how games came about, Dungeons and Dragons, right, was just chainmail, which was a combat, uh, a miniatures combat game. Uh, and originally, because there was no D20, ironically, there was D20s created, but they weren't on sale like currently. Uh, so we have evidence of D20s being used in, in ancient Greece. Uh, they've unearthed actual D20s, like ancient D20s. But um, so uh, a so I guess Alpha Dungeons and Dragons, like back when it was considered chainmail, used to tell you to roll two D10s and basically have one marked with the higher ones. So you would roll a D10 with one to ten, right? And then the other one would be 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. And that's how you got two D that's how you got uh that's how you would get the uh, the twenty system. They they told you to like market so it, it would look different. As I understand it, that's like that that was like the, their 
Right. Uh, just to sort of touch on that, uh, I remember in old editions of Dungeons and Dragons, when you had random encounters, you rolled two d10s, not one d20. Yeah. So it was it was a like different... there was no one on the chart. It was two. You know, because twenty. Yeah. Did certain numbers to have a little bit more of a prevalence. It's mm -hmm. almost like when you roll two six-sided dice. You know, yeah. seven is a very common number, whereas eleven is not. Yeah. So that's how you sort of you know made your charts is you put you know your super super rare stuff at the top and the bottom, and then as you made your way toward the middle, it would be more common, like herd animal. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you know, sometimes you would encounter cows. Filthy cows. I you don't know? kill them. That's how you get to the cow level in Diablo 2. Well, you know, so you got to watch out for that. So that's sort of a touch-up on the 2D10 system. So yeah. go ahead, Jared, continue. Sorry. No, it's it's fine. Um, well, that's that's we have uh, Age Before Beauty, and that's that's what that is. Well, um, first full day. <laughs> but I think I think... For me, indie indie really represents games that are uncommon, and when you bring them up, you're kind of first time introducing them, right? So I I would never, and ironically, I, I kind of went about in my youth, I went about getting into the tabletop role playing scene very weirdly, uh, because Wizards, uh, not Wizards, uh, Vampire, had become popular when I was uh, in high school. It, it it blew up, right? Like. It be it was the the ninetieth game you could play because everyone was wearing uh, like tight, tight. It was grunge. It was not the not most ninetieth two thousandest game ever. Like if you oh wanted to play Dracula but be Neo, you could. Um, uh, I want to play this now. I have never played Vampire the Masquerade. I want to play it, man. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, it was a, it was a weird way, and it was my gateway. So instead of going D and D into other things, I went vampire. Then found then like followed the rabbit hole to D and D, and that was my back. And then when I finally got to D and D, it was fourth edition, and no one was playing. And that's how I got into Pathfinder was because no one was playing fourth, and everyone was like, "Just play Pathfinder; it's just the best system on the market." And I was like, "Sure, this is again all this was indie to me in my head, but now as a creator and part of the the scene, right? We all hit people; we're part of the scene." Um, we, we like I consider interesting games, and I I try to uh, kind of showcase those as much as I can because I I'm always I I feel like I can I can thoroughly say this I'm always sending the group like links to games that I've gotten that would never gotten to like I was like hey check out this really cool system I want to try it sent it to you everyone everyone's like okay cool Jared I'll check out this link uh, I never got to it you know like um very recently uh, a comic series uh got turned into a tabletop game. It's called Die, D-I-E, as per, not oh, die like you're dead, okay. but die like the dice, die, like a singular dice. Um, I love that comic so much. Yeah, it's a great it's comic. So they, good. they turned it into an indie system, and I sent it to a group, and I really want to get to it. Um, but that that's a good segue into kind of like talking about indie games that like have inspired us. Uh, no, Steve, no Transformers. Um, <laughs> I mean, we could. I mean, it, like, we'll see. We'll, but we might is... have a break. We might have a break during the holiday. And we'll. I'll get some people. And yeah, we might play. Yeah. Here's the thing. I'll I'm break someone's down. arm and we'll play. We'll do that. We could try Lancer, the Gundam Wing Ooh, RPG. I have that one actually. You have Lancer. I have Lancer. You also have Goblin Slayer. You have a, a bunch have of cool Goblin ones. You have the Slayer. Dark Crystal RPG. I have Dark Crystal. I have mm -hmm. Lancer. Oh I have, oh my God. I have Phoenix, which is a tarot card game slash. Ooh. That's not fun. 
so so the way phoenix works and again this is a super indie game it's, it, i had to go on amazon it was 80 bucks because it's no longer in print Ooh. wow okay yeah uh but it was worth getting right because i'm also a collector I'm, I'm 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 part collector part part player part gamer um the way the system works is uh, you create your character around tarot cards that you draw and then as you play the reason why you're called phoenix is you never play one character there's an overarching story but it doesn't happen in one like i will never play jeff right continuously i will die and then i get reborn as a phoenix character mm. into zach and then i and then as i play as i play i kind of like have this like uh very buddhist like i remember my past lives and then it comes with the tower cards as we play. So as you build your, say, that's that's either that's both Avatar: The Last Airbender and uh, uh, All for One in uh, My Hero Academia. Yeah, like, that's that's so and cool. and that's how you build your tarot deck is by having these past lives. So dying isn't terrible, but it's also essential, which I I think is interesting. Um, there was a LARP that was kind of like that. I never got to play it. Um, but that was like that concept was like you should die in the LARP and then your next characters will get better. But yeah, so um, indie games and, uh, you know, talking about indie games, you, you let's like I, um, one of the games that really I really liked uh, is Viking Death Squad and Index R Card RPG, which we actually got to play. Um, the reason why I like some of these indie games is they make. For me, something I like that comes from indie games, I've started noticing more and more, are monsters are no longer just bags of hit points. And, 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 and uh, you know, obviously, different time periods change different things, right? So I grew up in the era where monsters were just bags of hit points to stop your players from getting forward. So you, you come to the orc, you have to drain his life points, and then now you could go to the next room, and then you could go to the next room, and then you could go to the next room, and then oh, here's a big bad, kill the big bad, bag of hit points, and then go to the next room, right? Um, I, I dislike that. I dislike that about monsters because it's very singular in their appearance, and I find indie games are now working specifically with monsters and making monsters much more fluid and dynamic. So with Viking Death Squad, what they did was uh, the creator created a chart, and you would roll on the chart every turn to have the monsters do something. And it said, hey, if, if, if this many monsters died or this many things happen, the monsters should act like this. This is how they should change. Um, and I thought that was really interesting, and, I, and that kind of inspired me more in the way I play my role-playing games was with monsters like, oh, you know, the 62 goblins, they're, they're ballsy, right, because they outnumber everyone. Oh, the wizard cast fireball. Took five goblins out, but the goblins are all now terrified of the party, and they're they're more likely to parlay. Because, yeah, it maybe killed ten goblins. Sure, they still got fifty five goblins, but they just realized someone over there that they're against can now just with a blink of an eye nuke the party, nuke their their enemies. Um, and I, I see I see many in the RPGs kind of like fantasy tabletop games moving in that direction, monsters being more fluid, or monsters having uh, a, not just ecology, but also a a kind of more, more like moral compass 
uh, in a weird sense, like, hey, uh, you know, if, if we outnumber the the players, we're, we're ballsy. But if we're under the players, we're cowards. Or, you know, like, you know, orcs are like Klingons, you know, they, they, they have a, a sense of like, you know, honor system. So they'll, they're more likely to fight one-on-one, you know, just, just kind of throwing out co- things I've seen. Um, so what, what about the group? Uh, you know, has, has, has that changed? Um, what indie stuff do you, are, are you seeing that's kind of like, Hey, I would like to see this more mainstream stuff like that. You know, obviously vampire, the masquerade, we talked a lot about like that. There aren't really monsters in that. I mean, you are the monster. Uh, well, there but, are monsters in that too. Yeah, I mean, you are the monsters, right? Like, well, but th- there are other things that are more powerful than you. There are also vampires, and there are also other monsters in that. And yeah. Again, what, what did we talk about? What White Wolf does, werewolf, vampire, mage, changeling, yeah. wraith. So any of those things can kind of come about. And whether you're a vampire equipped to handle it is another story. Well, yeah, but... So. I, I feel like it's a bit different. Like a vampire definitely is a bit different. Uh, but this oh, is yeah, a yeah. Vampire well, vampire podcast. is way much more geared away from combat and more yeah. into that social aspect of the game where there's like, it's almost like everyone's holding nukes and no one wants to shoot first, right? That's how that game is presented. But werewolf is like everyone is a walking nuke and they don't care. Yeah. <laughs> so kind of it's like, oh, I got these nukes and I got an itchy trigger finger. Let's go. Let's do this. Uh, mage is very similar to that, where it's kind of like that, that. I feel that mage is like the middle ground, where you, where everyone is a nuke, but also fire the nuke has consequences for you as well as them. So mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of like more of a give and take. And wraith and changeling are kind of like over in the corner doing their own thing, but they can you can pull them into um, no they're they're you know into werewolf or vampire, but you know the you know people can do whatever they want. But generally, they were they were just so far removed, and they were they were kind of their own thing because they had their own special rules. Right. Um, another thing I actually sort of like to take from um, a lot of indie games is sort of like their armor structure and how they sort of play out their armor. Like uh, there was the one in, uh, in Viking Death Squad where it's like you just have to whittle away at the armor. The same thing sort of like in Battle Souls. You have an armor points where, mm. like, you know, like I said, like mm. in D&D and Pathfinder, it's like you have your armor. Like obviously there are certain monsters who can destroy shields and or rust out weapons and stuff like that. But that seems to, that's like a little more specialized. Whereas, like, you know, like, it's just cool, like, all right, your armor is just completely destroyed, but you still have all your hit points because your armor took a lot of the, a lot of the life. Uh, or, like I said, or just, like, you can have different pieces of armor, like in uh, Viking Death Squad. It's like, you know, you can have, like, a coat that actually gives you, it has an armor value. Like, everything kind of has an armor value that you wear, which is also kind of cool because that doesn't really exist in everything else. You know, it's a little bit more straightforward. Um, also, again with the uh, again with the monsters, like some of what I like to do when I'm actually playing, like you know, the more popular games, is I will give my monsters character classes. Like if they're like an intelligent enough society, like you know what, here you go. I'm going to have all the melee ogres around you guys, and I'm going to have kobolds hiding in the tree as rogues, getting extra d sixes for their sneak attack dice. That turns you know five kobolds into something that could really jack you up. You know, because then you can actually bring kobolds out against, like, fifth, sixth level guys. You know, you just have a whole bunch of them just sniping, you know, while they're doing battle with, you know, know, a hill giant and some ogres. You know what I mean? So it's, like, just, you know, also, like I said, like, with the indie games, I love, like, some of the cool weapon systems that they have. Um, And, again, it's, like, I just, one thing I really like is when we find a new game and we play it, 
And it's like, we just really have a good time with it. Because, I mean, again, that's sort of the main goal of everything. Like, all the chapter first sentences in all the books is, this is for fun, have a good time, enjoy it, play it your way. Even when we play it wrong, we still play it fun. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's that's the goal, obviously. And I, I just find it really cool. Like, there's just so many creative people out there that just, like, bring these games out. And uh, a message to anybody out there, if you've made a game, send it to us. We will play it. And we will play it live if you want. Because I mean, we're welcome to play anything. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Hopefully I mean, somebody hears you and says, here, play our game. I mean, here's the thing. Speaking of making your own games, in the process of making my own game, uh, I have literally just been pulling from so many sources trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work. I remember going through like seven different iterations of this game, starting with like a multiplicative or additive uh, D100 system that uh, to rival like the uh, like the uh, Final Fantasy like max damage of nine to nine and nine, like <laughs> because I love macro numbers like that. That is like that's so fun to me just to be like, yeah, I did like a thousand damages, dude. Hell yeah, I had like a billion D6s for this. Like, it's stupid, but it was fun. But that was also like, if I ended up like putting this into code and then writing out like a few lines, I could actually do, uh, you know, it was just easier on a computer, you know? Uh, so like looking at that and then like realizing, yeah, but that's not really going to work. And then going be like, oh, here's like a card game version of it like if i uh draw out little cards and then just like kind of paste them onto regular playing cards for now you can use it as like loot pickup you know just random loot uh piles you pick up after uh fighting enemies and then uh anything from like magic to uh armor health whatever it is um it all it all kind of coalesces and now i'm working on just figuring out concepts, you know, it was like, what do I want this game to accomplish versus how to accomplish it? So like, uh, one of the things that kind of stuck to me recently was my wife last year in school had a class where she learned about game therapy for a day. And I was like, that's actually pretty dope. Like if I could make something and it helps someone kind of get through something, that's pretty cool. And it kind of like reminded me of what I started with, which I said, like my first game ever, first tabletop role-playing game was an indie game. This guy at college, uh, I was in the guild at my school. So a whole bunch of nerds and every Sunday we just got together and split off into groups to play TTRPGs. I got thrust into this group, not knowing how to play it. That's where I met Kim. Um, and it was... It's uh, the guy, the guy's name is at P.O. Canless on Twitter. Really cool guy. He made this game called Knock, which he actually then transitioned into a comic, which is called Noob of Clandestine. Very fun game. Um, like, I, I remember how to play this game so solidly because I played it for so long. Uh, that I could run it at any time. Honestly, like, I would love to showcase it to you guys, too, because it is, like, it's one of my fundamental pillars of uh, uh, indie RPGs, I should say. You know, make your own systems, home brews, everything. You know, home brew isn't just a setting. It's also 
your own rules. You know, taking rules, kind of shifting them one to the left, seeing what happens. So, yeah, I, I'm totally down for just everything. I think this is interesting that you, Zach, you brought up the topic of homebrew. Is homebrew in the RPG? I think so. Uh, like it's making something your own. I I, I feel like I feel like uh, APs are very structured and everything, but when you homebrew something, even it's in a even if it's in a well-known system, you can change things around on a whim. How many times I've changed rules on Call of Cthulhu, uh, or even just uh, even the Kingdom Hearts thing I ran for the charity stream? It, it's like I changed a couple of rules because it was like, okay, well this works a little bit better with what we're doing. You know, it's, I think in that regard, uh, that does transform it into something more indie because it then takes on a body and life of its own that can further change out of it. So like, say you're playing like a D 20 system. Uh, and for like the first, like five levels, you're just playing Pathfinder or something. Um, and then, like, you hit, like, a really, like, fantastical, like, boss, like, wipes the party, but you don't want to kill the entire party off. So you now switch to, you guys are all dead, and you're playing this other smaller game inside the game, and you're not using, you're using your Pathfinder stats as, like, a uh, compass, in a way, and you're kind of just, uh, you can use anything to see what happens. Like, you could use playing cards, you could use tarot cards, you could use... Uh, dice you could use fucking soccer ball how many times can you juggle the ball on your foot like a hacky sack you know like jack you start playing jacks on the table pool i don't know <laughs> you start playing quarters I, like that's i i feel like homebrew lets you explore these crazier ideas of how to have fun at the table and tell a unique and compelling story uh i, I will say i disagree not that, that I'm sorry. So I got to play devil's advocate. It's not that I disagree with the the idea of like we're playing game A and then something happens and then we shift to like a completely different rule set because narratively it's kind of interesting. <clears throat> it's more like yeah, I think you can homebrew anything, and I think almost every RPG expects you to homebrew something. I mean, yes, when we even when you're pulling in to an AP that gives you, like, we're playing a Pathfinder AP, we're playing Wrath of the Righteous, we're playing Rise of the Rune Lords, we're playing Serpent Skull, whatever it is, we're playing Rise to Avernus, we're playing from level 1 to level 20. I don't know if Rise is from 1 to 20, but most Pathfinder uh, APs is level 1 to level 20, right? Even built into those, there are clear gaps. Now, whether the game tells you there's clear gaps. They kind of built it in and they kind of let the GM kind of, and I wish they would give a little bit more direction of like, here's a moment where you can kind of have fun and do your own thing. They don't do that, that as well as I would like, but most of them allow you space to an, okay, well, I'm going to take books one through four. And we're going to play through them straight. We're going to play them exactly the books, but like between book four and book five, there is like a six month gap have fun, throw something in there, do, do whatever. So I think that every game, even, and funny enough is even if you're playing the game, it's okay. You brought your party from level one, to level 20, you, you read it verbatim by the book. Well, then you have another group and they want to play the same thing. You're not going to run it the same way. 
You're definitely not going to. You're going to throw something in there. You're going to change this bad guy. You're going to add this little side adventure here in the time that you ran the first one, and to the time you ran the second one, you play this really cool one shot. You want us to stick it in somewhere, and it kind of thematically fits, or you make it thematically fit. You cram it in there like you're putting five pound stuff in a ten pound, you know, ten pounds of stuff in a five pound bag. You make, you know, and it's just like I want to have this moment here, and whether it's in the book or not, I'm putting this moment here, and this is kind of like the 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 ability of the GM to understand the flow of the game to change anything in the game. So I think as most people would understand is like homebrew is it's not written. It's coming from you. That that's how I kind of perceive it. But yeah, I mean, if you want to just straight up change the rules and like have like a, a, a scenario that literally is like, we're not playing path. Owner, we're playing war. Or you want to fight? You want to fight the monster? We'll play war. Okay, great. I think that you don't have to be an indie title to do that. I think you could just kind of like, oh, I was inspired to do this, and I kind of worked it out with a couple of friends of mine, and it works. You want to fight the fucking lich vampire dragon hybrid? We're playing war. Get a deck of cards out. Wah, war. Right. Um, like, when I you run a lot of games, I usually homebrew everything. I don't like to buy Adventure Path. Sometimes I find them either restricting or, like, people get way off script. Because you also have to remember you're relying on the actions of every single player at your table. And the more players you have at your table, the more it's going to influence the way you can actually play, you know, your store-bought adventure path. You know, because, like, everything can either just come off the rails right away, or, you know, you also don't want to feel like you're railroading your players. Like, you know, oh, there's the dragon to the north, the east, and the south. Which way do you go? You know, like, that sucks to have to do. You don't want to have to do that. But uh, I've always sort of homebrewed. I mean, there was a game like me and my friend made up because it was like the middle of the night and we had just finished playing D&D &D and everybody else went home. I'm like, dude, let's just make something up. So like, all right, cool. Like we sort of like made this like like mafiosa kind of game. And I was like running and like I was hiding in like those big restaurant sinks. You know, the ones that you, you, know, you can't shoot through. And I'm just like hiding in there and I'm popping out my little gun and I'm trying to escape and stuff like that. You know, he ran it and I played, you know, we used, you know, the dice that we had because we just finished playing D&D. &D. And like that was like sort of like the first like like we just sort of made a game. Like we played it a bunch of times, but it was literally just, you know, sort of me versus him, sort of, in a way. But like I've always homebrewed, even when I've played, you know, sort of the big, uh, the big two. Um, plus, you know, there's also a time where, you know, especially I ran a lot of second edition Dungeons and Dragons, and so when the Ravenloft set came out, I would buy the Ravenloft set, and literally I just sort of homebrewed from like level one, one to eight, and then there was a module from level eight to 12. So only a couple of couple levels. And I was like, you know what? We're in Ravenloft. I'm going to run this, this module. And then sort of when they were done with that AP module, I went right back to homebrewing everything from, you know, whoever survived because we lost two people, but yeah, you know, it happens. You know, Especially but, uh, in second yeah. edition. Yeah. Yeah. Second edition is, uh, it's a rough slug sometimes, but um, Just like Ravenloft. Yeah. It's, it's it's so different than the current Ravenloft, but that's that's a that's a podcast for another day. I can't I can't even get involved in that. I thought it was so much cooler back in the days. Yes, <laughs> is always greener, man. Yeah, yeah. Listen, you know, but you know, we always we always had a good time. We always homebrewed. Like you know, a friend of mine, he went out, you know, because he had money. Like the person with the money who was was always the DM because they could buy the most stuff. Mm -hmm. They could buy the most adventure pads. They could buy the most monster manuals. Because I mean, you know, we used to run to the store every day waiting for the folio to come out. Because you didn't even come in books at the time. They used to send you loose leaf pages in bundles. You would buy like a you know a fifty page set. You know you buy the the Al Kadim and the Carateur and the Ravenloft and the Greyhawk adventures and like I would just throw them all into big binders. 
Like, I would just take creatures from different worlds and put them wherever I wanted. I was like, oh, I'm going to use two Greyhawk monsters, and they're going to use two monsters from Forgotten Realms and one from Dragonlance. Because when you homebrew and you have all of the, the stuff at your ready, you could pretty much do whatever you want with it. That's one thing I do miss about the older systems, though. I, I think, you know, especially because they were out for so long, they give you a lot of content. Like, 5th edition has also become, you know, it was out for a while, so there was a lot of content. You know, but uh, like as far as, like, indie games go, it's like, you know, it's... It's just, you know, again, like I just love seeing creative people put something out there and, you know, say, hey, you know, I'm going to take a chance with this. And it's just, you know, I just enjoy playing games. You know, anytime somebody gives me something new to play, I'm like, yeah, man, let's play, you know. So, yeah, like I said, I, I welcome any indie games because, you know, it's also good to take a break from what you normally do. You know what I mean? So, you know, I don't know. I was always a fan of indie games. Like somebody coming, oh, I just bought this book. Let's play this game. Like. Let's go. Like, that happened very often back in the days. I don't know if I'm going to go off on a tangent here or if this is something we're already going to talk about later that I'm going to steal Jared's thunder a little bit. But going off of the idea that, like, there's a lot of stuff that already exists in game systems, the trend of indie games right now, because obviously, look, we started off in D&D, &D, and then D&D &D kind of spawned Pathfinder, and then we, we these rule sets, even Vampire, Shadowrun, a lot of those games from that era, from basically the 70s to the to early 2000s, were these relatively complicated games. I mean, D&D &D didn't really start complicated, but it was kind of complicated, and it was a lot of charts because it was a war game, and then it kind of moved into this idea of, uh, of what it is today. Uh, and then a lot of games oh, built on that, because this is how you iterate. Right. And then what did indie games look at? They said, look, they looked at the landscape and they said, man, all this stuff is super complicated. Let's go the completely other direction. Let's go super simple. So what's the benefit of that? Or the benefit of that is like, man, there's not a lot of stuff for indie card RPG. Right. Just flat out. It's like there's not there's not like 19 monster manuals for indie card RPG. There's nine not like 25 like like settings for Viking Death Squad or, or Battle Sauce or any of these other uh, indie games that we're talking about. But what we could do is like I can look at through an old monster manual from D D first or second edition, go, Oh, this monster is really cool. What is this Demogorgon? Okay, all I have to, okay, well I'm gonna throw it in indie card RPG. What does the indie card RPG ask me to do? I need a target number. I need eight moves. I need this, 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 this. How much points does it have? Right? I could literally boil down a block of rules that I needed in that whatever system it came from and boil that down to the core mechanic that I want the feel of this monster to be. And then maybe I just use the artwork and everything's different. Or maybe I take everything from it, but I just boil it down to like eight moves. Right. Yeah, so it makes it really easy to... Yeah, take different things. Oh, man, well, I'm going to take the Demogorgon from old D&D, &D, and I'm going to take this weird thing from Pathfinder, I'm going to take this other thing from Cthulhu, and, and then you can have this, like, crazy game, and it doesn't take a lot of effort to get you there. Right, uh, just to sort of touch on, like, sort of, like, the simplicity, that's sort of what makes it work, you know what I mean? Like, it's, you know, like, you want something that people can pick up and learn how to play easily and teach five friends. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you just can't say, "Oh, I got, I just bought this thing. It's called Dungeons and Dragons. Let me read this book." You spend like three days reading. You're like, "Oh my god, what is all this?" There's like sixty-five thousand charts. And you know, listen, like once you get to the play, it's great. But sometimes it would take some time. Whereas, like you know, a lot of these indie creators, they're just like, "Here it is, boom, one sheet of rules, and you're done." Or like a little booklet of rules, you know, maybe you know, sixteen pages stapled together. Here you go. That's the rules. That's everything. That's how you make this. That's how you make that. Like the simplicity is really kind of what sells it. Cause it's like, 
you know, like, hey, Zach, I just bought this thing yesterday. I'm going to send it to you today. We'll both read it by tomorrow, and we're playing by, you know, three days from now. Yeah. You know, and we're showing five other people how to play because it's super easy. You know, that's sort of what, you know, really, really helps the indie creator is that, like, simple system, simple rules. Here it is. You don't have to buy, you know, you know, six, you know, 250-page books to learn how to play my game and to play it successfully and to sort of do whatever you want. Plus, they also, if you notice, they allow you the freedom to, like I said, as Steve was saying, to bring other things into the game where it's not just all laid out for you. Because sometimes you just lay it out. It's like, all right, that's cool and all. But, like, what if I wanted to do this? Like, there's a lot more freedom within the rules that they present to you, and there's a lot more freedom in the gameplay as they present it to you. Yeah, I mean, what is that uh, Pirates of the Caribbean uh, quote of uh, they're more like guidelines? You know, it's like yeah. that's that's kind of how I view it too, because like I've played I've played knock where it's kind of really just make it up as you go along. Even your character stuff is all made up. Nothing is written down. Like you come up with powers and stuff as you gain levels and you talk it over with your friends and your and who's ever running it like, hey, I want like I had a character that was a boxer and literally every time that he would just store firepower in his fucking fist. And so every time he hit on a on like a certain number that exploded in on top of the exploding tens. So he would double explode. And so it was just like just going and going like just hammering into this guy. Um, and it was all just fire damage at that point because it was just moving so fast. It was just heat um, versus like uh, like the Kingdom Hearts RPG interstitial um, where uh, those guidelines were uh, like they gave you rules on how to cast magic. But there weren't any spells really given to you in any of the character classes. It was like the only spell they really talked about was heal. But that was also just an innate thing that some classes had. You didn't have to roll to cast magic. You know, if you wanted to be able to cast, you if you wanted to cast magic at any time, all you have to do is be like, hey, I'm going to try to cast a spell because why the hell not? You know, it's like magic. Woo. Um, so it's, um, but then you have like, uh, like uh, my game where I, I kind of drew a lot from like the tree, like the uh, ability trees of like Dragon Age, uh, where you kind of like uh, pick one ability and it kind of branches off into a couple more, or you can just follow it straight down. You can get like uh, the, like the evolving uh, like backswing, cleave, uh, whirlwind attack, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but like it's, I I do think it is more of a guideline system. The simplicity, I uh, like I said, I use it more for role playing, uh, like furthering my own role playing and like finding a purpose to do something with the game itself. So, Jared, been quiet for a while. Do you have anything to add to this? <laughs> oh, you guys, you guys are are doing fine. <laughs> Um, I think that the I think we we resolved the fact that homebrewing is not in the tabletop role playing games, but homebrewing leads to tabletop role playing games. So homebrew is the uh, as as we all learned in the nineties, it's the marijuana, it's the gateway drug, um, <laughs> to tabletop role playing games. Uh, with that being said, I think a lot of uh, you know, you bring up a lot of good points on how 
I think home indie indie games are focused or honed things people like. So like Zach said, like, hey, I really like Dragon Age. I, I like the skill tree system. You know, same thing uh, from uh, Final Fantasy, right? Like Final Fantasy did that. Yeah. Japanese role playing games focused heavily on yeah. on on stuff JRPGs. like that. Yeah, you got a skill tree system, and then same thing. What you know, I said earlier, where I was like, hey, I, I see a lot of indie games are, are focused on uh, changing how monsters work, and I'm a fan of that. You know, and, and Jeff was like, hey, listen, I usually just take stuff I like and just jam it in there. And similar to what Steve built on was like, you know, stuff like that where you guys build and 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 then basically what you what 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 I'm hearing is. Uh, the NVNG in the tabletop game is coming soon. Uh, <laughs> sign up to Patreon. No, like, like that's, <laughs> but but that's what we were all talking about, right? Like Zach is like, hey, I really like talent trees. It makes it easier and it stops people from having the choice panic, right? Like that that sometimes things that we can see. Fifth edition kind of I feel went a little overboard with that with the choice panic. They're like, listen, you get apples or oranges and that's really your choice you know but then coming from 3.5 where or or even third edition where it was like hey you're level two here's a sub book on <laughs> fighters and figure it out like good luck um level up in about 15 minutes i'm gonna go for a smoke break you know and the people who were like whoa that's too much you know uh probably led to a few homebrew games and indie games you know um that evolved out of that uh fourth edition did that too yeah gotcha yeah but that's well when things like that happen indie creators come out and say hey you know what i'm not happy with this you know either i'm going to go back to playing third edition with my friends or you know what let's just come up with something let's just powwow have a power lunch you know and just uh like hash out some ideas that we want to do we're just going to make our own game yeah, I want to. I want to know when Fate came out if it was actually influenced by Fourth Edition's release. Uh, public 2003. So yeah, it was around Fourth Edition. Uh no. So from 2007 through 2013 is Fourth Edition. So it was Fate was a little early. Yeah. Um. To 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 the punchline, but still, I I've, I mean, look. If you look at the timeline, I bet you Fourth Edition spawned a whole bunch of companies. Whether those companies are still in existence to this day, I have no idea. But I bet you that there were games that came about because Fourth Edition made the decisions Fourth Edition is, and hence the current meta of whatever game we're talking about. It could be Pathfinder First Edition, it could be Pathfinder Second Edition, it could be Fifth Edition. I mean, there's the indie games now coming out because Fifth Edition is a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's always like it's always going to be indies going to buck a trend a little bit because they're going to find a space that nobody's doing something in and they're going to go that's my spot. I'm going to take it. And then they're going to find like-minded people and they're going to play it or it's going to not do well. You know, it's it is what it is. Yeah. I will say in 2007 Fate won best rules uh by by uh Ennies, right? So the and that's indie games, uh, right? Yeah, that's mostly indie games. Uh not 2008 nominated for best supplement uh yeah so 2007 it, it won best rules and so that means more, when fourth edition came out and i've right into the coincidence who knows <laughs> who knows right but like but like i feel like the conversation here is you know is 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 it a pot is it a, it's obviously a net positive for the a bigger system to fail to allow for a newer system to thrive or to kind of drive people to create because suddenly, like, I I no longer enjoy what is being done. So I'm gonna homebrew, right? So if you look on Drive Through RPG or D and D Beyond, tons of homebrew. 
but I'm a like Steve keeps saying, probably from there more homebrew. That homebrew, as we as we unpacked earlier, homebrew then becomes indie. You know, so I think because of the resurgence of the tabletop role playing scene, you now had that push for indie games. That's why we now have die right, like the die system. We have labyrinth turned into a tabletop role playing game. Uh, we have uh, what was it, dark crystal turned into a tabletop role playing game. Uh, you know, battle sauce, the battle sauce, you know, that that was cool. Battle sauce, uh, all, all the ones, uh, uh, fantasy, fantasy age, which didn't come yeah. out, which is not really indie. That's the thing, is it indie? I don't think I, so. I think I it think is, it, it probably was at one point. Yeah, I was gonna say, I think TV show. that's, I think that's about as uh, indie as like Zweihander is, yeah, for Germany, you know, like because didn't, didn't, um. Didn't uh, what was it? Oh, was Fantasy Age. The... Didn't Fantasy Age come out and they were supposed to be making it for uh, a specific like show or something like that coming out? They... But then there's something happened with the licensing and they said, "No, we're not doing it." So they said, "Well, we already did the work, so here you go." So I, I, the question is: they... is, it, is it really indie or is it just like a happenstance? Like that's really what. Um, a you know, the same thing is like I, I'm gonna I'm gonna reference this to a board game, mm-hmm. the game Quarriers which is a kind of a fun kind of dice rolling, dice building game yeah. came about because the company that was making Quarriers actually was first slated to make Dice Masters for Marvel okay. and something happened with the license and they kind of fell through. I'm like, well, we already yeah. designed the dice. We have the dice. We have the rules. We have everything done. Let's make this a board game. Bam. Now we have Quarriers. And they came up with a bunch of different expansions and everything like that. And then what happened? They eventually made with another company, they made Dice Masters, maybe with the same company, I'm not sure. But Dice Masters still became a thing, but because that they had already this work done for but the licensing fell through, they still released it. But is that an indie? Not I, uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's the problem. Like, is it is it not? Can something be indie and still be mainstream? That I think that inherently kind of defeats the purpose of it. The the floodgates are gonna open very soon. But uh, I also feel like, uh, in the sense for indie RPGs, uh, Drive Through RPG, the website, is like a one-stop shop to find all these indie games that range from one-page RPGs to like a three-book series mm-hmm. on this one game, and the creator was just like, "Here you go, world!" Like I, I feel like. That is also such a popular website for a lot of gamers to actually find these games and be like, oh, this one speaks to me or like this one serves a purpose for what I'm doing right now. There's a game that's literally just stacking dice. And <laughs> yes, I saw that. It is such a fun game. It is such a fun game, not going to lie. But uh, it's just like, what the hell is this? <laughs> How is it? And, but the, like, the system behind it is like, thought-provoking and everything is like how to play is like it's not just about stacking dice it's about stacking dice and emotion you know (laughs) and also forgetting all your emotions you know um so like i i think you're really gonna find anything but that is also going to bring it again what steve was saying popularity is is where like the population is almost uh, mm-hmm. like uh, all the people that really are looking for them are going to find them 
and they're going to play them and they're going to be popular. They're going to have it kind of move from one place to the next because people are going to talk about it. And it's still going to be indie because technically it's smaller than everything else. You know, I, I would even say even these like smaller, uh, these smaller companies, like even if they are companies that build machines of games, like if mm-hmm. they just, they make these systems and games, yeah. I still think they are, if they are smaller and not as many people play them, I still think you can classify it as indie, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone is coming into TTRPGs right now, and you feel I feel like the conversation is either Pathfinder or D and D. Like I, I, granted, you have some people every once in a while. I hear uh, a star, a Starfinder, or a Star Wars the RPG. Like I, oh, like, yeah, or or Star Wars the RPG and Star Trek RPG. Like like those competing heads, but it's also like those are. Nemesis from yeah. ages gone. Huge franchises. Well. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of money with those names associated yeah. I, with those names. I will send I will send the thing to Jared here. Because of the fact that uh the Games Workshop is much more popular in England where the company originated, mm-hmm. is the role playing game Dark Heresy indie for the United States. Warhammer? Are you, yeah. are you arguing Warhammer? Warhammer is indie in the oh, United States we, because it's oh, much I, more popular I, I, over there, and it's not uh-huh. that. I mean, most people don't know that Warhammer has a role playing game here. Yeah, I bet well, you, yes, you grab mean, even even if you're grabbing like you're, you're even if you're like surveying role playing people, I bet you a lot of them don't even know it exists. So it's interesting. Do I think uh, is it indie? I want to say the role playing aspect of it. If you went to many people, I want to say a lot of people might. Be like, well, I didn't know about that. They had a war, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, you know, tabletop game to it. I think that might be yes. More people would be less likely to know that. But I can't say Warhammer is indie because it's fucking Warhammer. Yeah, like it's, it's Warhammer. Warhammer. Like, but yeah, it that's, that's kind of like what I was. Kind of, I understand your that? point. Yeah. There are how the, many books to that game? The, I want to say probably the role play would be niche and not as known. So, yes, that would be considered the indie aspect of Warhammer. But Warhammer is a tank onto itself, right? Like, yeah. that's, a, that's well, like, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're I, also really trying to discuss, like, just lesser known, lesser played, you know, tiny companies. All of that sort of encompasses what we're sort of trying to define as indie. And that, you know, that makes sense to, like, the general populace as how they would might view indie. You know, of course, like, you know, hardcore indie people are like, well, that's not indie. This is, that's not, this is, that's fine. You know, that's their opinion because they're more, you know, uh, entombed in it. You know, whereas we're just like, hey, you know what? Here's a game nobody's ever heard of. So to me, that's indie. Like, you know, like, uh, like I said, when we, you know, when we, yeah, there was no internet. We didn't know where to find games. You know, we used to go to the stores, the game stores. And like every once in a while, we would, you know, pick up our regular D&D stuff. And it would be like, hey, you know what? There's a couple things over here. Let's, you know, let's let's buy one and see what we could do with it. So you would just pick a random game off the shelf and you would try to play it. You know, so that's kind of how like we found like there was no like, you know, you know, your circle of friends was small. You played with anyone in the neighborhood who played. That was how we played D&D. Like you found five or six kids in the neighborhood and say, hey, we all play D&D. So guess what? We're all friends now because we're all playing D&D. And that's <laughs> how it went. Like there wasn't no, you know, like, you know, 
going online say hey you know looking for a game i live in this area like that was not a thing you know like and like as people would get jobs we'd be like oh like oh my friend's like oh some guy at my job plays so like now we're gonna go to his house and play with some of his friends like that's pretty much how it went you know it was all word of mouth and of course like i said everybody would go and like we would stop at the store and be like hey you know what here's a cool looking game let's pick it up and we'll learn how to play it and that's kind of how like we would sort of find our indie games like whenever we had an extra 20 bucks we'd be like hey we got you know 20 25 bucks let's pick up this box and see what we got let's get these two books and see what we got you know yeah I- ironically uh you know call of cthulhu one of them a very popular system would be considered indie in my mind because yeah. it's niche um and not many people uh play it i think the it's, amount of it's, it's yeah. ebbed and flowed over the years in yeah. popularity i love but it it's, it's kind of taken a dip in recent years because they haven't had a update like an update system yeah in a while i think the last update was like a few years uh, ago early teens yeah so yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I, I, time no longer means anything to me. I've, 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 I've cocooned and I've evolved past time and understanding, uh, <laughs> only because of having a kid and having a pandemic and starting a podcast company and then having a second kid. Time no longer means anything. It's just the what rise and flow of the sun. You, you I, didn't like, learn I, after the first one. Yeah, you didn't learn. You didn't I, learn. Like, I, legitimately, people are like, "Hey, on Monday, blah blah blah." I was like, "When was Monday?" They were like, three days ago." I was like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. It's been three oh, weeks. Oh, you mean since... the Monday we just experienced in yeah. our time? <laughs> yeah, I I don't have concepts of days and weeks. He's anymore. he's turning into Doctor Manhattan, where he feels all time, all the simultaneous. That's oh, literally yeah. how I feel currently. <laughs> so I just turn blue, naked, and get a third eye, and that's the only yep. thing you're good. I'm we're just no going to travel to tomorrow and find out what the lottery numbers were. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah right. Travel back. I'm just in a uh, what was it? Uh, one of those like life rafts floating in the ocean of time. That's it. We're gonna we're gonna see him strung out tomorrow on yeah. the lawn, the airbrushed blue. In yep. his <laughs> Just walking around Manhattan. <laughs> That's it. Uh, so I, I, uh, yeah. So uh, the next point I wanted to bring up was should or how how do you feel about indie RPGs in the concept of I, so a lot of the sorry, so a lot of the indie RPGs I see are made for like short term games and not focused on long term campaigns. I uh, so like I said, um, going back to the one I really like, which is Viking Death Squad. Right? If you read it, it's more or less made for like multiple like just short term campaigns because there are no levels in that game. It's just you kind of get better whenever the gm so it's milestone system conceptually and you know similar with battle source there there is it's a little bit of levels but it's it's not so i feel like a lot of indie games kind of shy away uh even vampire right like let's let's rope in a big one vampire has no levels you just get xp more or less and then you your vampire becomes more vampire to a point but i feel like be, do levels matter and if you were looking at in the RPG, is that something you know, like that would bring you in, or would that exclude you? And also, are in the RPGs more one shots, or, or maybe two shots, and then you play one of the big two, you know, that we talked about? Uh, well, actually, I think that's sort of one of the better parts of the lore of the game is that, like, you know what, I don't have to play this for three years, you know. Whereas you may, I mean, there may be games you're like, oh my god, I wish we can campaign that, and you know what, you can. You bought the stuff. 
use your brain campaign it if you want like that's sort of like it's open there like i said there may not be sort of like rules of how you do such things but if you really want to campaign something you kind of can i mean maybe not every single game but there are games that you could probably campaign for at least a decent amount of time if you really really like to like i think battle source you could because even there they sort of like i go up to like sort of five levels and then you could just expand on those five and just sort of go a little bit higher and so you can just regulate it however you really kind of like um, but again, that's also part of the draw of it is that like, hey, I can learn this fast and I can play this fast, you know, rather than like, OK, we're, OK, we're going to start a D&D campaign. Guess what? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I you know, because I'm the kind of guy I want to play to level 20. Like, I don't want to stop. I want to retire characters. That is my main goal. Anytime I play any game that involves leveling up and getting to a certain point, like I have so many retired characters from second edition, but I also have a stack of character sheets, maybe about three to four inches thick of ones between like second and 14th level. Like we just, either the game just broke up or, you know, somebody broke up with their girlfriend. So now we can't play anymore or, you know, something would always happen to sort of stop it. But as far as like the indie scene, I think that's really kind of part of the lore of it. And sort of this, again, with the simplicity of it, that makes it very relatable, very quickly, very easy to learn. And, you know, like I said, like, you know, especially like if you're players like we are, because we like to play everything, we're going to have fun with it because of who we are playing the game as well as what the game presents for us to sort of have fun with, you know, like when you have a good group, you could play anything and have, and just really, really have a great time. Even a shitty system, we could still, you know, have fun with it. And again, I really think that's sort of like part of the, the whole lore of the indie game is that like, I could pick this up. I could learn it fast. We could play it fast. You know, if we like it, guess what? We can play it again. Or, you know, we could play with a different group of people or we could change the settings or, you know, stuff like that. Because a lot of it leaves you very open to your own rules, your own settings, um, sort of your own, you know, technology levels. Like all of those things exist in these games. Whereas, you know, like some of the other ones are a lot more detailed out, of course, because, you know, when you have, you know, 30 books, you're going to have a lot of detail. Whereas if you have, you know, like again, a, you know, a 20-page booklet with the instructions on how to play, make characters and your monsters, you know, it just leaves more for you to interpret and sort of present to your players. And also for the players, you know, it's it's a it's easy system to learn. And, you know, like I said, again, it's, to me, it's always the people and not always the game. It's like when you go to like, oh, you know, oh why are we going to that bar? Like, I don't want to go to that bar. That bar sucks. But if I'm going with five of my friends that we're going to like have a really, really good time at no matter what, then you know what? We go because, like I said, I'm enjoying the people. I don't care what the place is. The place is just there to take my money and serve me drinks, you know, and maybe bring me some food, hopefully, if they have some food. You know what I mean? But I'm there to enjoy time with my friends. And I think that's sort of like what sort of the indie game gives you. It's like, you know, here's the bar. It doesn't have to be the greatest thing in the world. But you know what? I'm bringing these four people with me. We're going to, you know figure out how this game works and really enjoy playing it. Like you see us when we play these games, when we play battle swords, we go freaking bananas. Like Viking death squad. I could have played that for like six more hours that night. We, we went bananas with retail cannibals. And that was yeah. one page, one page RPG. <laughs> and that was just Tina. <laughs> yup. Tina did an awesome job on that, by the way, I'm assuming Tina will listen to this at some point. Tina did awesome. I really enjoyed playing that. Um, yeah, but honestly, picking, piggybacking off of Jeff, Jeff's completely right. Uh, I, I feel like uh, these indie games, especially like the ones I gravitate to, which are uh, for like they have world building games uh, or like character, uh, a mono-a-mono character games 
so that you can use to kind of flesh out your character, which I find is good if you're setting up to play a larger campaign in a different system, whether that's a D20 system, uh, D100, or even uh, like there's like a, a spooky Western uh, RPG that I, I can't even remember right now off the top of my head, but it's like you can, you can always build into the other games or just do standalone stories, which is in their own right fun if you have your own like world and you just want to build on it. Like here is this this hero of myth and legend. How did he get there? Well, now we're going to find out at the table by playing this game, you know? Like, I, I, I find, like, uh, these indie games add to whatever game you're playing. doesn't matter what it is. It is going to add to it with new rules, new ways of thinking, because there's a lot more adjective and storytelling kind of flair. But also, just again, just map-making. Like, here's, here's how we build a town, you know? A society, a kingdom, you know? And everything that they dislike what they like uh, how they flourish and then also how they crumbled into dust yeah so i was actually um kind of piggyback on kind of both those ideas first thing that when people making rpgs is it goes what's what are we missing right but we also know that there are the behemoths right there's the the white wolf games so the vampires and the werewolves and then we have the dnds and then we have the pathfinders and we have these giant systems and sometimes like oh well, I, well here's my gap Here's the gap that nobody's doing this. So they make this game and that maybe the game is, is geared more towards like these little individual one shots. Maybe like you're stringing together like two or three episodes, right? Two or three sessions. So you can advance a little bit, but maybe the system isn't really geared for like maxing out your character because at that point, you know, you can trivialize everything or everything scales to your level anyway. So it, you know, at, at the beginning, at the end, does it really make that much of a difference? But then other games, then people are going to find those systems. They go, man, I've been looking for a system like this. I've been playing D&D or I've been playing Pathfinder for years and years and years. And my one complaint is X. And I found Index Hard RPG or I found ba uh, Battle Saucer. I found the uh, Viking Death Squad. And that's my game. And those people are going to make that their game. So they're going to play that game, whatever that game is. Just like people play one to twenty in Pathfinding, just like people play one to twenty or one to ten in uh, you know the the uh, fifth edition, or they play uh, however they get tracked for a vampire. Like, oh, I've played a three thousand year old vampire, and we played for three years and for the same character. People are going to gravitate towards these systems, but they also understand their place in the market. So a lot of people may use it as like a filler game where like we need a break or we, you know, Oh, we only have like half the party members because you know, vacations happen or whatever. And we use it to kind of fill a gap in our game or we just finished the campaign and we just need a break. We need to turn our brains off and just have like ridiculous, stupid fun and maybe go crazy that we wouldn't go through with a character that we just spent three years leveling to level 20. Right. We wouldn't go like, you know, batch it insane with that character because I spent three years, playing that character i don't want to just like throw him into a wall you know i don't want to shoot that character out of a cannon right but like hey if i if, if we're only playing two sessions shoot my ass out of that cannon man i gotta get in there so even like what, what was that game there was like what was it 13 candles or seven candles whatever that that game is designed candles. you die yeah. at the end like everyone 30, dies yeah yeah you know there's I, so many I games really like that 
Yeah, that's an I indie game. I want to play that game so badly. I haven't I played that. I've just heard about it, and I heard good like things. Like every good kung fu movie, like everybody <laughs> dies at the end. Yeah. There's nobody yeah. left alive. Yeah, it's like even the hero dies from too many wounds fighting the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, you go out in a blaze of glory. So the idea that Absolutely. that that. Uh, you have to have the like indie games have to have like a one to 20 mechanic or have to have levels like look i will say most indie games even if they're like one of these ones where like either it's hyper narrative and it like like it is like 13 cans where like literally it, it ends or there was a couple there was another one that i can't remember where it's like it's like almost like it's a horror movie where like either you escape and the game ends or you all die and the game and ends. The game so there's no there's no like continuing the story. Like you're all like regular people and the hunt werewolf is hunting you, right? And you you can't fight it, right? You don't have silver. Yeah. So th so there's games like that, but there's also games like that give you the the pathway to progression, but they may not give you all the progression. At some point you're gonna have to like fill in. Like, okay, well, Viking Death Squad, I've got I've got the best weapon, or may I got the best armor. What do I do next? Well, either you decide to start again and make new characters, you go back to your regular game that you were playing before, or you develop, yet again, going back to the homebrew idea, and you'd make more. Because indie games are such fun, interesting ideas, right? Like these are these are we live in the age where anything could be printed because everyone has a platform, which is amazing, right? Um, I'm sure you could, if you dive deep enough in the internet, you will find some horrific games. Uh, but, you know, that happens with everything. But I think the idea of having the indie game can be a palate cleanser that you can always go back to. Because remember, we, we we said this, many indie games have easy rules to follow. Even like detailed games, usually because they are indie, quote unquote indie, have very simple rules to go back to. Uh, look at Fantasy Age, was the two the three die system where if you get two and, and you get that chart where you could do cool shit, right? Mm -hmm. We could always go back to that because it was a similar model to the the conceptually it's a fantasy game right like oh i have this many spells and i could do this with spells and i have a pole arm and an axe and such uh and you we could always go back to that because we have a baseline understanding of a tabletop game we could always go back to borderlands and play borderlands even though there were weird rules in borderlands we were like how does this work i was characters were blowing up into the loot and i was making the bad guy do crazy bad guy stuff we could always go back to that there are levels in that game but you know we can always go back to that because we have a baseline understanding and the rules were so simple i think the hardest part of that game was the the generation of magic of quote unquote magical or weapons right mm -hmm. but because it was so simple it was just easy to jump into battle so same effect right like you just jump back into it you're like oh okay i, I you know this is how easy um i think a lot of people get mad when the term easy is used for a tabletop game but Easy isn't synonymous with bad, easy or boring. Or boring. E yeah, easy isn't synonymous with boring or bad. Uh, I think easy is the best, like a badge of honor for any indie creator. Oh, yeah. That, that's less thinking on my part. Like the less thing, like I, I'm an idiot. The less thinking I got to do to understand something. Bravo. Thank you for doing all the hard work for me. Right, yeah, because again, it kind of goes back to that, you know, like, we want people to get this. Like, if people pick it up and they read, like, the first three pages and they're just lost, they're going to put it back on the shelf. You know what I mean? They're going to be like, I, I can't get into all of this. 
no, again, it actually, like I said, like, like we were saying, like easy is not a bad term. It is actually a very good term when it comes to indie games and, you know, smaller companies and smaller games. Because, you know, it, it just makes it more accessible. And also, like I said, it's palatable. Like you can, like, all right, you know what? This is super easy. I can have all my friends playing this within a, a day. Rather than like, all right, you know, I got to send this PDF to all my friends. I was like, dude, read this over the next month and maybe we could play a game like in a few weeks. Like, that's not really what you want because people are going to be like, oh, do I really have to do this? I have to work all day. Then I have to come home and deal with this and that and this and that. I don't have time to sit here and read all this stuff. So sort of, you know, like like we're saying, like like easy doesn't, you know, we're not using that in a bad way at all. Actually, it's, it's a, we're using it in a very good way. Like, you know, it's like, here you go. Run with it. Run with it. And it just also makes, as I said, it, it's more accessible to a lot more people, you know, especially people who are not as heavy into gaming as we may be. Like maybe somebody who's at a store, you know, like, you know, like, oh, I want to get something for my kid to learn, you know, oh, he's 12 and he's like really kind of into this and that. You'd be like, you know what, here, try this, you know, like something he can, you know, literally read in like a night and be like, you know, hey, let's, let's play this. I learned how to play this last night. I'll show you all how to play right now. I mean, that's what you want, especially you know, you want your stuff to move off the shelves, you know, especially like, you know, like I said, like we, we've actually had the pleasure of playing some really, really good indie games, you know? So it's like, yeah, like don't take easy as bad. Easy is, is great in this regard. Especially if it's used as like a palate cleanser, like we were talking about before, like we're playing, like, even though D and D is probably the simplest it's ever been. Yes. It's still, I wouldn't say a simple game. No. There is lots going on, a lot of go, lot of things going on in that game. That obviously, from our perspective, like we've done it before. We've like we've played this first editions and the second editions and the third editions and all the editions, right? And we go, okay, well, fifth edition. Oh my god, thank god, it's so easy. Well, it's so easy from our perspective because we played the complicated. But now it's like from a person who's never played any RPG before, they look at fifth edition. That's like what two, three hundred page book, and like, oh my god, oh, I don't know, I don't know if I could do this. And then, and then you look at, like, like I said, the one page RPG, like, oh, oh, we're bears, we got to steal stuff. Sure, got it. You know, so then yeah. that dichotomy there, where it's just like, okay, well, I'm, I understand this game. We, you got me into fifth edition, you got me into Pathfinder. Okay, well, I can get it, but this is about the like the level of like complexity that I can handle. Because I, you know, I'm not really into the, as, as many games as the next person, right? The next person is super into games. They get it. I'm not that much into games. You know, ooh, you know, this is this is pushing my limit. Okay, we we played this for six months. We played well. Okay, we we know that. Oh, you just hit a big level and you get more spells. Oh, oh, we don't know what to do. Hold on, we're gonna take like three or four sessions off. We're gonna play this crazy game over here. Just do what you want. I agree. I I I you know. So I think easy is is the key. To the in the concept, maybe that is the kernel of truth that this all turns out to be. What makes something indie? The ease of getting into it, and how you know obviously things can be indie. Like for me, Dragon Bean, we just played it. Uh, go to our YouTube and and watch us play it. Uh, that was so much fun. That was super fun. It was a roll under system, and Zach was killing it because Zach is a terrible dice roller. Um, <laughs> it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. Zach rolled two guys? ones and was like, I am the Superman. And and it was awesome, right? But for us, that's indie, right? Because it's Dragon Bane, which is Drac, uh, which is Swedish, and it's huge in, in Sweden and 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 in, in those areas. But over here in the US, it's just finally getting converted and gonna come here. 
Uh, I think it's going to be a, a popular system because a you could be a duck person, which mm-hmm. I'm super excited for, and b the, the the it's it's for me it looks fun, right? Like it has a lot of interesting mechanics that aren't hard to grasp. Like the wizard could burn life uh, to get more spells, Steve. Yes. Um, which he did do in the final battle. I he almost died. Lives. Yeah, he was like, I'm just going to burn my life to, to do that. That's the fun part. Yeah. And and again, back to the ease of a system, and it's a very simple system from the play test that we got to play. Very simple system to understand. Um, uh, simple, not 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 bad, or not, not boring. Simple. Um, so I think that for me, maybe that's the kernel of truth we've gotten to. The, the how fun and how fast a person can get into a system is what makes it indie. Because if I have to sit down with the Bible, it is probably an indie game because no one's going to sit down with that. Like, can I get a moment? I'm going to just give me a moment so I can show you this ginormous fucking book. This is what I mean about sometimes you, you should just go simple. I don't. Oh, I would love to play a game like that. Yes. Yeah, it's more that, of that. That's that is a thick. freaking textbook from. It was holding school. up a part of a table. That's because that's I I needed. Yeah, I'll tell you how many pages. This is this my AP Well, just because it's got a lot of pages. Just because of a lot of pages this doesn't necessarily mean no. that every person who's playing it needs every page. And no, that's yeah, another the book thing. could be spells. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. But that's that's a nice. Yeah, like in the back, like there's it's beautiful, right? Like so, it's old school beautiful, right? Like beautiful. Nice, right? That's very nice. But this thing is huge. The, I bet you, know, you there's the, a market you know for that. I bet you people bought that and were like, "This is the this is my jam. This the is like the best thing since sliced bread." Yeah. Well, who yeah. knows? Maybe he's trying to become a big and said, "You know what? I'm going to go big." He's like, "I want to be the third. I want to be the third party." Yeah. I mean, it, this is the not, third party. It's I mean, the whole third gonna party. Lie, not going to lie, the more and more I work on my game. It is literally turning into a very large PDF. Don't do that. Don't do that. I'm doing my best to try and condense it. And I here's here's my hot take on the idea we were talking about where indie equals simple for the most part, like the ninety twenty, like the eighty twenty rule. Okay, so okay, we we seen the trend where like Pathfinder and D and D, even fifth editions, like a little less complicated, but it's still relatively complicated in the grand scheme of things. Uh, versus a lot of these indies are very rules light, right? Yeah. And they're very narrative focused and rules light. Okay. So then you see a game like that, right? That I will say that indie will generally buck the trend. I will say that the, my ultimate definition of indie is generally smaller companies and they will almost always buck a trend. They will almost always find the thing that nobody's doing and then say, that's the game I want to make. Right, so what is happening a lot? We're doing these very rules light, very hyper narrative focused games. Like D and D Fifth Edition is probably the pinnacle example of that. Even though it has a, a load of rules, they went more narrative and less rules. Yeah. So what is Indy going to do if, they, if that's the bucking trend? If that's the trend currently, is that less rules, more narration? And then what is Indy going to do? If that's, if, that's, if that's what everyone's doing, then there's going to be people that are going to be like, man, I would love to have a more crunchy system, and it just doesn't exist. 
Dara oh. Indy comes in. So I think Indy, like the concept of Indy is going to constantly change based on what the current trend is. But right now, True. it was like very much rules, 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 whole bunch of narrative Indies. The mainstream went Indie, the mainstream went narrative. And you're going to start slowly seeing, I think, I, in my opinion, which means virtually nothing, but you're going to slowly see that that it's just going to be like more and more complicated rules because there's going to be people who are looking for that. And it's just going to be this kind of like yin-yang type of thing. I feel I have to agree with Steve. Steve kind of got to the kernel of like what India is. Uh, it only took us about an hour and a half to get to it. And that <laughs> is maybe India is just bucking the current trend. So everything, if everything is narrative, the indie will be crunchy. And when everything is crunchy, the indie will be narrative. I would like to hear from the rest of you uh, on on kind of like closing statements. Uh, so why don't we throw it over to uh, Jeff? So Jeff, what, what, are your, what are your closing statements on this topic? Hi, well, I mean, sort of over the course of years, all the indie games I've played, I would probably say I liked about 90 to 95% of them, but that's also me. Like I enjoy like, oh, there's a new game. It's super fast and easy to learn. Let's try it. You know, I've, I've always kind of been that way with games. Um, I think they're uh, obviously clearly a necessary part of the TTRPG world. Um, like I said, it, like, you know, uh, it gives you like, you know, a break from your everyday game. Um, it also, like you said, it provides you with new things and also sort of new ways of viewing your characters when you're playing the bigger kind of games. Like, you'd be like, oh, like, you know, what? I would love to build a character sort of like this and bring it into my D&D or Pathfinder game. Um, like I said, it really just provides you with new outlooks, new information, new ways of having fun. And uh, just in general, you know, uh, support your indie gamers. Um, and like I said, any indie gamers out there who have something and they want somebody to play it on a podcast, we will gladly play your game. Send it to us, man. Look us up. You know, um, I'm sure we will attach a run of our socials at some point on this. But... Uh, I love indie games. I love indie creators. Those are necessary people in the RPG world. And uh, yeah, happy gaming, everybody. Play stuff. Zach, uh, what what close, closing statements to you? Uh, my closing statement. Uh, I was going to say I just I dig indie RPGs more than anything. You know, I like the weird. I like the the off the beaten path. Uh, I would also like to seed some uh, plugs, if that's okay. Uh, so, like I said before, check out my friend P.O. Canlas, at P.O. Canlas on uh, Twitter, uh, Monday Destroy. Uh, he's the one who created Nuba Clandestine, which is right now a comic book. Really good, awesome guy, very funny. Uh, a couple other indie games, I guess, or just games that aren't really around. Like I played at the charity stream, Interstitial, Our Hearts Intertwined by Riley Hopkins of Linksmith Games. Very fun. It's based on Kingdom Hearts. Amazing. And then um, what you might see from us in the next few months is uh, Vison from uh, Free, League, uh, Free League Publishing, um, which is like a, a Nordic horror role-playing game. Very cool. I have both books, thanks to Jared. Uh, it is so awesome. It is supernatural. It is supernatural, the RPG, but a little bit better in my opinion. Uh, but that's it. So ha have some fun with those games. Uh, those are a couple of, uh, Zach's, uh, 
Zach's uh, recommendations. Um, maybe we'll play a knock game for uh, Patreon. It's it's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I think we get on a couple of you know a, a multitude of interesting points on uh, what makes indie why indie does the way indie does the benefits of kind of having an indie as just like a one-shot machine to kind of your break from your main game maybe even to make you to make it your main system that you're operating out of uh it gives you and it generally gives you a lot more freedom to experiment and just to have fun and homebrew um but uh, yeah, and also to the point where you can even play something that like, oh, there's a genre of like, like you said, supernatural. I want to play a game that's supernatural. There's a game there for that. I want to play super crazy cyberpunk Viking immortal gods. There's a game for that. You know, that you, you, you make a topic. There's probably someone who made a game that if it's not exactly what you're looking for, it's close enough. But uh but uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what keeps happening here. This thing keeps getting in my way. I don't know. Ah, Deep ah, just really wants to play Transformers. We'll play we Transformers. got the touch! <laughs> we we, 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 we got the power, power to play whatever the hell we want to play, right? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's just uh, all joking aside, uh, whether you like indie, whether you like mainstream, it doesn't matter as long as you're having fun. Uh, and I think that's a great statement to end on. If you're playing, whether you're playing indie or mainstream, as long as you're having fun, so hopefully you had fun hanging out with us here at Nothing Venture, Nothing Game. This is Healing Pots, uh, brought to you by us fools. Um, it's going to be a once a month. Uh, and not sponsored by The Walking Dead alcohol, but yeah, I've been, I've been drinking it this whole night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Don't forget to check out nvngpodcast.com. That's our website. All our information is there. All of our socials are there. You can get some episodes on there. So from all of us here, I want to say thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day um, and rock on with your uh, with your gaming. Yeah. Woo. Rock on with your bad self. We got Later. The touch. <laughs> we got <Right>. the power. <laughs> yeah, I keep that at the end.